0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. So this is one I got actually uh, from my six year old. Did you hear the one about the tomato family? Yeah, the, the kid and the dad were going for a walk and the kid said, hey dad, catch up.
1: I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, and from American Public Media, this is The Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you to win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Marketplace
0: host Kai Rizdal. I've heard of that guy. He's got r- real potential. An up-and-comer. And coming up, Huey Lewis, Canadian for Guido, the greatest name in football, and sunny in the sunsets.
1: But first, time for Small Talk. Mm. All week long, you've been hearing this.
2: The sole meeting of G20 leaders kicked off Thursday.
3: A mystery object resembling a missile goes shooting off the coast of California.
4: Two chairmen of a bipartisan panel are recommending dramatic spending cuts and tax hikes.
0: Now for something you haven't heard. We're talking with Richard Lawson. He's a writer for news and gossip blog Gawker. Richard, what are you going to be talking about at your dinner parties this weekend?
3: I'm going to be talking about Canadian Jersey Shore. <laughs> uh, it's called Lakeshore, and it's about the no. crazy kids of Toronto. No.
1: TV show, this isn't like a vacation location for a kid. This isn't where you go get drunk
3: no. when you're 13 in Canada. No, this is a television program, yeah. So so it's like scantily clad people
0: wearing spandex toques?
3: Yeah, I guess Canada saw Jersey Shore and said that they wanted to prove that they had a bunch of idiot kids up there too. <laughs> and it's mostly, you know, it looks like a bunch of shirtless club kids drinking and pronouncing sorry weird and things like that.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm just happy that
3: America's finally exporting something. Like this is <laughs> oh, yeah, right. this is fantastic. It's really going to be the engine of our economy, I think.
0: Is it Is it any different than the American version?
3: Well, to me, it's different just in terms of, like, I have no knowledge of what a typical Canadian loudmouth person is. I don't, it seems like kind of a vague concept, so. You've
1: never met Le Situation? I have not,
3: no. That's the
0: Situation.
1: Sorry. Do you exactly. think this has the potential for, you know how people who watch the original Office, snobs will be like, oh, I just watched the British version. Will people be like, oh, I just watched Jersey Shore.
3: I hope that some Jersey Shore <laughs> purists emerge, yes. We'll watch it with a monocle. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Richard Lawson, thanks for talking with us. Thank you. And now,
0: time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history's a
1: marathon runner, squirting his head with a bottle of booze. (laughs) (laughs) Seems that might slow him down, but whatever. It'll help with the leg cramps. First, the history. This week, back in
0: 1892, a football player named Pudge Heffelfinger, yes, Pudge
1: was a nickname, made history. Now even football fans at your dinner party might not know about Pudge. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here to tell you how he changed the sport forever.
2: Yep, he got paid. Specifically, he got 500 bucks to play for Pennsylvania's Allegheny Athletic Association. Back then, that was a small fortune. But Allegheny figured Pudge was worth every penny. After all, he'd been a three-time All-American football star at Yale. The problem? Football was an amateur sport. It was against the rules to pay players. Instead, teams would find them cushy jobs or give them nice gifts. But Allegheny was about to play their rival, the Pittsburgh Athletic Club. And they wanted Pudge on their side at any cost. For the record, Pittsburgh did too. In fact, they'd already offered Pudge 250 bucks to play for them. It wasn't until he showed up for the game wearing Allegheny's uniform that Pittsburgh realized they'd been outbid. Pudge earned his money, scoring the game's only touchdown, but he never admitted he'd been paid. It was 80 years before the Football Hall of Fame found the evidence, Pudge's pay stub. Today they call it Pro Football's Birth Certificate.
1: So that was the history. Now it's time for the cocktail. We're speaking with Jesse Best. He's a bartender at Olive Ortwist. Get it. A martini bar in Pittsburgh. Jesse, you heard the story of Pudge. What cocktail does his story inspire you to make?
5: I would say, especially here downtown in Pittsburgh, we're in the Cultural District, which is just a couple blocks away from the stadiums, we feature a uh, cocktail called the um,
1: Black and Gold. Black and Gold being the color of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Exactly. Okay, tell me about it.
5: Uh, What that consists of is Blavod Black Vodka, Uh a little bit of Chambord, which we uh, shake vigorously, and you pour about four ounces of that in the bottom which create a solid black color. Oh, my God. And then separately, we take lemoncello and sours, shake that vigorously, and then you spoon that over the top, creating a uh, black-and-gold presentation.
1: Oh, man, so it's like it's got a dividing line. There's two levels to it.
5: Exactly, yeah.
1: Right on. But this doesn't really sound like a drink that a football player would be caught dead drinking.
5: Uh, You know what? (laughs) I haven't served one to one of the football players that comes in here, but uh, it is quite popular with the ladies.
1: Wait, so those guys really come into your place?
5: We get them all the time. I Actually, I had an art opening last Friday, and uh, Mike Tomlin was in uh, our VIP room, the head coach of the Steelers.
1: Art and football. What a cultured coach.
5: It's a nice little mix here
0: ladies and gentlemen, we should note, we first aired that interview a while ago, but Blavod Black Vodka is now unavailable in Pennsylvania, so they don't serve that drink
1: anymore. But of course, Rico, the most important part of that cocktail isn't the Blavod Vodka. It's Pudge Heffelfinger. (laughs)
0: The greatest name in sports. He got the name because he he ate a lot in college. I
1: can identify with that since that's where I probably got the name Tequila Face. Yeah, (laughs)
0: that's probably
1: true. Uh,
0: Folks, if you have grown-up nicknames for us, which we could really use, email me, it's vodka ninja at... Actually, (laughs) just go through our website, dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Huey Lewis. He had some of the biggest rock hits of the 80s, and he and his band, The News, just put out their first album in nine years. It's called Soulsville. And Huey, welcome. Thanks, Rico. Nice to be here. This record is all covers of Stax hits from the Stax label, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s. Why the Stax label?
4: Why not say Motown or something? What quality of Stax struck you? Uh very good question. You know, Motown uh, was a little smoother, made more palpable for the sort of mainstream audience. Stax is not for everybody. It's pretty gritty, raw, primal. Uh, But that's always the stuff I've loved, and many of my favorite records were Stax records.
0: But that's interesting, because I think people associate you with very smooth, hummable pop music. Were we
4: missing something in those uh, those early tunes? Uh, You know, I don't make any apologies for our pop music. What's interesting is now doing this Stax stuff, it doesn't sound all that different from Huey Lewis in the news. You know, Johnny Taylor, one of my favorite singers, always was. But I didn't, I didn't hear him in The Heart of Rock and Roll or If This Is It, but I, I do now a little bit. Sugar, stop your cheating. Stop your cheating. You ain't got to cheat no more. Cause the Lord.
0: You know, it isn't entirely fair to say that there's not grit in your musical background. You played on Thin Lizzy's live album, which is considered like one of the greatest live hard rock records of all time. Yeah, live and dangerous. Yeah, Philip was a really good pal of mine. Philip of Thin Lizzy. Yeah, Philip of Thin Lizzy. And I'm gonna jump ahead, because we have two questions that we ask everyone on this show, and one of them is to tell us something we don't know. I have a feeling that you might have a Thin Lizzy story to share that maybe you haven't talked about before.
4: Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. In our very first picture of Huey Lewis in the News, when we were kind of shopping our little tape and all that, half of the clothes in the shot amongst the six of us were Philip Lennett's old clothes, because <laughs> Philip used to dress me out of his closet. Rock and roll boots, and and then have some scarves, and I learned a lot from Philip. Not not only about what to do on stage, but how to run the band and the crew. Like how? Like, like a little Hitler? No, but you gotta set, you gotta lead by example, and you don't tolerate certain things. I mean, I remember Philip, uh, one of the roadies had too much to drink and broke up his hotel room. And so he sat the guy down, pointed to the marquee on the club. He says, what does that say up there? The guy says, "Uh, Thin Lizzy. He says, yeah, that's me, Philip Lynn. I'm Thin Lizzy. He says, until your name is on the marquee, you don't break up any hotel rooms until I do. Rock and roll wisdom.
0: Uh, The other question that we ask everyone on the show is what question, if we were seated next to you at a dinner party, would you least like to be asked?
4: Oh, there's a bunch of those. One is, how did you get the name The News? The other one is, how would you describe your music? As though you're playing some sort of like incredible experimental jazz. No, as if it mattered, you know, and and besides describing one's music is your job. It's not my job. We make the music. Somebody else needs to describe it. I can't believe that someone would ask you like, why the news? I mean, it's a pretty good Brock band name. We were called American Express until our label was afraid we'd be sued. But, you know, I I saw the ads We're American Express, you know, even if you can't get the card, get the record. It would have been great. And, and they might have loved it. We might have, they might have kicked in some money. You would have gotten a sponsorship right off the bat. You might, yeah. You might have actually been big. Exactly. Good things could have worked out. Uh,
0: you know, we have another question we often don't have time for, but uh, is there a question that you'd like to be asked that, that no
4: one asks you? Definitely. Um, it is, how does it feel to be newly inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Do you know I did not know that you had been newly inducted? Well, I haven't been. That's why I've never been asked the question.
1: <laughs> so, Rico, do you want to learn how to say Huey Lewis in the news in '90s? Uh, I think so. Hootie and the Blowfish, another platinum-selling
0: artist who doesn't get the respect he deserves. That's right. One day, there should be a separate Hall of Fame for those bands. They could be playing back-to-back. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: that is the dinner party download for this week, thanks to Jackson Musker. And we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to, or returning from, this weekend's dinner party.
0: This week, the band is called Sunny and the Sunsets, and the song is called Too Young to Burn.
1: Too True. Bon Appetit. Thank you. Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, and here's a little-known fact. We originally called our show Diner's Club.
0: It's true, but then no one accepted it. Get it? Yeah. The good news is we accept every major credit card at
1: our website, dinnerpartydownload.org. If you dig the show, please make a donation, and if you're Huey Lewis, we'll take 0.01% of any royalties you have from Power of Love.
2: Help us go platinum.